Hello and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Ashley. And we have made it to Christmas Day. So our 12 days of Christmas for 2022 ends today with a special episode of a movie that was recommended to us by our friend Will McKinley, who happens to be joining us today. Hi, Will. Hey, Matt and Ashley. Um, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Um, so you can find Will, among other places, on um, Twitter, uh, at Will McKinley. And yeah, Will, um, yeah, you, you, you totally suggested this film, uh, as one that would be good for the holidays for us to talk about. Uh, I had never seen it before. And, uh, the Lemon Drop Kid and watch tell folks about it. I did. And it was to, uh, <clears throat> to make a, a perhaps in- intentional pun. It was a crapshoot because <laughs> I knew that you guys had not seen it and, did not know what you would think about it. So I'm very curious to hear what you thought about it. But first, I'll start with a summary um, based on a Damon Runyon story. The Lemon Drop Kid stars Bob Hope as Sidney Milburn, a.k.a. the Lemon Drop Kid, a low rent grifter with a taste for sour candies and sweet old ladies. After he mistakenly scams gangster Moose Moran, the kid has three weeks to make good on a $10,000 debt or celebrate Christmas in the river with a cement bathing suit. (laughs) With the clock ticking towards December 25th, the kid concocts a Christmas miracle. He'll use New York City street corner Santas to raise funds under the guise of charity. And therein lies the tale of the Lemon Drop Kid. (laughs) So, yeah, like you said, I had never seen this movie, you know, I don't even know that I've seen a Bob Hope film. I have never been a fan of Bob Hope, but that's based purely off of television appearances that I saw as a kid. Um, but I thought he was actually likable in this movie, and um, he has a, an interesting character to play. Um, so I liked the movie overall. It, it, it's a it's a Christmas movie, definitely. It's also kind of a screwball comedy. There's you know. As you alluded to, there's elements of kind of a crime caper. Um, so it's kind of a lot of things, and it does feel a bit kind of messy at times, maybe. Um, I think I thought it started off really strong. There were a lot of good laughs. Uh, the kind of middle section kind of dragged for me a little bit. Um, but then it picked up again by the end. Um, it had kind of this ramshackle kind of made it up as they went along feel to it (laughs) (laughs) but um but overall i I thought it was really enjoyable i i liked the supporting cast too um marilyn maxwell who played like kind of the leading lady i thought she was good um there's a lot of good older um actors that it was fun to see again like william frawley um from from i love lucy and my three sons and my three sons and my three sons yes (laughs) For the for the bub loyalists, <laughs> and Jane Darwell was in this. Um, always good to see her um, from you know from the Grapes of Wrath among other an things. Oscar winner by the way. Yes, yes, and Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it, and um, there's some really fine music in the movie. Um, this movie introduced the, or the song Silver Bells was written for this movie. And I thought that that scene where that's performed and um, was really good. That was kind of a highlight of the film. But there's another song in there too. Um, it doesn't cost a dime to dream. I kind of like yeah. that one quite a bit. So um, 
so yeah, I thought this was a uh, you know a pretty enjoyable film. All right, one down. We have one positive, Matt. <laughs> no, I enjoyed this as well. Oh, good. Uh, I, I don't. I honestly don't know off the top of my head how many Bob Hope movies I've seen, but it, this could well be the second. Okay. I uh, I the only one the one I know I've seen is the Ghostbreakers. I think that came out about ten years before this one. Um, yeah. So you know, I have fond, I, I'm not a huge fan of Bob Hope uh, for various reasons, but. I do have this fondness for him from childhood because uh, he used to do a lot of specials for NBC. I think it was NBC. Yeah. And it was just him and a bunch of, uh, by then, the old timers, uh, you know, Milton Berle, Danny Thomas, uh, Dean Martin, all those folks. So, I, you know, I remember them from when I was a kid. Uh, this is, uh, but he's, he's, he's good in this. This is, I, I, I like this movie overall. I do agree with Ashley. It gets a bit... I feel like it loses track a little bit uh, at a certain point. I feel it does start out strong. It starts out in Florida in early December, and then it moves to New York City. And for a little while there in New York City, I was quite enjoying it. I mean, I love the – there's a blizzard when he gets there, and the, the, this <laughs> hilarious way they depict this blizzard and how he – there's a scene where he gets completely blown back on the sidewalk and pushed around a corner. And then these two young girls are helping him. And two Girl Scouts have to. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he steals a, a little sweater from a dog. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I was rolling with all of that. I'm like, this is this is great. And we get introduced to Jane Darwell's character. And uh, yeah, so that all was good. And then I think where it kind of loses me a bit is when it gets into the, uh, uh, sadly enough, when it gets into the whole scheme, he, he gets, he hatches the scheme very elaborately. In fact, Ashley, you had to kind of explain it to me because <laughs> I was like, wait, I think I missed something. What, why, why are they doing this? Um, and it's for him to basically ultimately get the money that he owes to the gangster down in Florida. Uh, so he doesn't, you know, <clears throat> doesn't get offed on Christmas Eve. Yeah. That whole segment, the whole section of the movie, a little, a little unfocused for me, but then I do think it sticks to landing. I like the, the sort of the climactic part of it, of the film. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, I like the fact that it comes around there at the end. And I also like the, the guest stars. I mean, you had, aside from like Jane Darwell, you got Lloyd Nolan, who it's funny <laughs> to see Lloyd Nolan. It's fun to see him like, um, as a younger man. Cause, uh, my familiarity with him comes from like the 70s and the 80s when he was like a guest star on TV and then yep. he did Anna and her sisters. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, you had, I, and I, I meant to check the cast list uh, more closely, but I swear that Billy Bird is in this movie. She is. Actually, this is, <clears throat> so Billy Bird that, you know, people, contemporary viewers will know her from like movies like, 16 Candles and Home Alone. And Police Academy. Uh, and Police Academy. Three, yeah. or three or four, I can't remember. Yeah. This, is, this is either her first film or, like, one of her very, very early ones. And, you know, we're talking about 1951. She was working until, you know, for nearly, like, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cast is particularly strong. I mean, one thing that I'm not surprised even though I'm probably like a little bit older than you guys, the people in our age group, I think have to deal with the fact that we grew up on creaky old Bob Hope (laughs) on these absolutely cornball TV specials where he'd be like 80 year old Bob Hope leering at like Lonnie Anderson or (laughs) Brooke Shields or something. 
And it was just so, I mean, yes, on the one hand, like as a classic film fan, I would watch them and enjoy them, but not the best way to be introduced to the guy, mm-hmm. right? The guy who at one point in movie history was one of the biggest and most popular stars in film, right? Like in the 1940s and early 50s, huge movie star. On top of that, for like 17 years from the late 30s to the mid 50s, he was a huge radio star. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, he did, you know, TV specials, as you mentioned, for NBC from the 1950s through the 90s. Um, Host of like 17 or 18 Oscars, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, literally and like a, a USO performer, well known for his charitable work, you know. So he was whatever, like before Howard Stern was the king of all media, he was like <laughs> literally the king of all media and just a great. And even before that, vaudeville and stage and just a huge, huge talent. So for a lot of people, you know, in their 40s or 50s or whatever, who discovered him in the, on those late career specials, I think that can be a little bit of a hurdle to, you know, when you think of Bob Hope today. Not to mention the fact that because he did most of his film work for Paramount, and Paramount is not in the Warner Brothers Discovery Borg, <laughs> we haven't seen his, his movies very often on TCM. You know, um, they're out there and that many of them are, you know, on DVD or Blu-ray. Like this one is on Blu-ray from Kino Lorber, like a lot of, you know, Paramount and Universal controlled films of that era. But he doesn't get the he doesn't. And this film as well doesn't get the sort of, you know, doesn't have the sort of ubiquity that like Warner Brothers and MGM and RKO talent has thanks to thanks to the Turner Library and you know the Warner Brothers Library. So that's a hurdle. You know, the other hurdle is that um you know um as Ashley said it's very slapsticky which I grew up on slapstick I grew up in the 70s on slapstick comedy of the 30s, you know, watching Little Rascals, Three Stooges, Abbott and Costello, you know, and then later on, like, you know, the Honeymooners and and Marx Brothers and whatever. So I grew up loving that style of comedy for contemporary viewers. You know, it's like the speeding up the film and, you know, <laughs> like sight gags and stuff like that. Sometimes that can feel a little sort of like, I don't know, corny or, or creaky or, or old fashioned. For me, it's like classic, but it doesn't feel super contemporary. What I do think the on-ramp, I think, for people with Bob Hope is that his persona is, and basically, you know, even when he's playing a character, he is very much like this movie is not Damon Runyon's the lemon drop kid. It's Bob Hope's the lemon drop kid. You know, it's not the Damon Runyon of, of guys and dolls, you know, or lady for a day or little miss marker, you know, or any of the famous Damon Runyon works that were made into, you know, films or plays or musicals or whatever. This is Bob Hope bringing his Bob Hope 
persona, his sort of, you know, joke telling, his kind of like, you know, radio gag writers and sort of fitting it into very, in a very, very broad sense, you know, the Damon Runyon format. Basically, the only thing, this story first appeared in Collier's Magazine in 1934, and it's only like a five-page story, and it literally has nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> I mean, it, it, what it has to do with it is it starts at a racetrack, and he likes lemon drops. And yeah. that's like the whole connection. Interestingly, because I always do this, I'm going to assign people to go watch the original version as well from 1934, starring Lee Tracy. Um and by the way, William Farley also appears in the 1934 version. So <laughs> that's an Easter egg for you, for you, Mashley at the Movies listeners. Um, I don't know if it's on DVD, but you can find it through uh, what I'll call spurious sources on the internet. Um, well, you know, it's funny. I want to go back to something you said uh, about uh, you were kind of talking about the slapstick nature of it and the Three Stooges. I, I actually, when Ashley and I were watching this, I. I made little curly noises at a few of the scenes because, you know, I mean, cause I, I grew up and I was a big fan of, I think the Three Stooges were shown on like TBS a lot and, and, and whatnot. And I used to rent the videos. Uh, so I liked watching them. And yeah, there was a few scenes in here that the slapstick was so stooge like. I was, I was like literally going like, whoop, 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 you know, and, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it's a, it's fun. And then, as Ashley what? mentioned, uh, we'll say real quick that how Silver Bells was was written for this film. Yes. Um, and, and the most interesting thing about that is that so Silver, so the, the songwriters, Jay Livingston and Ray Evans, won three Oscars in their career um, for uh, for Mona Lisa which became a hit for Nat King Cole, which was used in the film Captain Carey USA, for K Sera Sarah, which was a you know hit for Doris Day from A Man Who Knew Too Much, and also Buttons and Bows from another Bob Hope film, The Pale Face. So they wrote three songs for this movie, including Silver Bells, which I think was originally going to be called Tinkle Bells, until one of their wives was like, honey, I think tinkle maybe doesn't mean what you think it means. So they changed it to Silver Bells. They shot the film in summer of 1950, wrapped it, and then Bob's friend Bing Crosby recorded a version of Silver Bells with a singer named Carol Richards. All of a sudden it became a giant hit. And Bob Hope and I guess the studio executives of Paramount, although he produced this one under his own banner, they were like, we got to make more of a bigger thing of this song in the movie. So they decided to reshoot the song. And Bob Hope had worked with um, a guy named Frank Tashlin, who was a Looney Tunes animator and director, and he had written, um, I think he had written the uh, the... Uh, the Pale Face, he co-wrote The Pale Face with Bob Hope. And so basically he was a very visual guy from his cartoon work. And Bob was, was like, you know, let's help us develop some gags for this. And he was like, I'll do it, but you have to let me direct it. And of course, the the film had already been directed by, you know, Sidney Lanfield, so who had directed like five films previously with Bob Hope. So Bob decided to let Cashlin direct the reshoots. And I think 
not only did they reshoot the Silver Bell segment, but I think he sort of like punched up a couple other scenes. And if you watch it, I couldn't find a definitive resource to sort of explain which he, you know, scenes he directed and which Sidney Lanfield directed. But there are some very, very visual scenes in this that I bet you he was the, the, the director of. But most importantly is this five minute sequence for Silver Bells, which is, you know, very visually inventive, like on the back, on the, you know, it's a soundstage, but on the streets of New York City, <laughs> you know, with like various ethnic people problematically <laughs> on occasion. And, um, you know, and it's just a really, really well-directed, funny, creative, inventive, sweet sequence that allowed Silver Bells to become the centerpiece of the film, which it would not otherwise have been as originally intended. So if you're at home listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm not a huge Bob Pope fan, not a huge like the style of, you know, radio comedians translated to film, although I think Bob Hope was the best of those, unlike, say, a guy like Jack Benny, who was very scattershot in his movies. Um, watch this at least for this, like, iconic, enduring Christmas song as the centerpiece of a film. The other thing I wanted to say is that Christmas films can be very exhausting, like, It's a Wonderful Life is an exhausting movie. I love it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. But you have to be, like, in a good place to watch that movie. You know, you have to be prepared and you have to commit yourself. And it's long and it's it's harrowing to watch. This is just, like, a stupid, funny movie. And, you know, it's like a slapstick Christmas gangster comedy with songs. It's like... <laughs> totally fun and pleasant and not taxing. And it's got gangsters and sight gags and Santa Claus shooting craps and naked mannequins and <laughs> pot jokes and Tor Johnson from Plan 9 from Outer Space <laughs> and Bob Hope in a dress on a bicycle riding through a department store. It's like, you know, for me, it's just a great, easy watch. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, a, a lot of people have Christmas films that they watch annually. And I could definitely see this going on my list. I have a feeling it's not on many people's lists just because they haven't had the opportunity to, to see it. Um, but it, it's definitely worth seeking out and, and watching. And Silver Bells has always been one of my favorite Christmas songs. And I never knew its origin. So I'm, I'm glad to have learned that and to have seen this movie because I think it, it's definitely a highlight of this film. I agree. I agree. So um, with that, yes. Uh, what would you give, Ashley, what would you give this out of 10? I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. All right. Will, what would you give this out of 10? So I have to, I didn't ask this last time, but I do have to clarify. So is the 10 like <laughs> an overall in the pantheon of like cinema history or is it a grade of what the film set out to be and how well it achieves that goal. I would say, more, I mean, it could be whatever you want, Yeah, but I would say, you know, um, probably the latter. I would agree with the latter. Yes. All right. Well then, so in that case, I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to give it a nine point 
we have to do point fives, right? Or we can't, it could like, be anywhere in that in that spectrum. All right, I'll give it like a nine point three for um, some of the reasons that you guys talked about. It, it you know, it does get a little, uh, you know, gets a little puffy like around the middle, and it gets a some of the gags don't work, you know, and there are. But the great thing about Bob Hope and his delivery is it's like if you don't find something funny, there'll be another joke in like three seconds. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a very, very solid nine point three. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I would give it a seven point three. Okay. And that means our score is an eight. And uh, yeah, that is uh, the Lemon Drop Kid. Uh, good, good bit of a Christmas movie. Will, thank you for putting this on our radar uh, and everyone else who's listening on their radar. Uh, and if there's time left in your Christmas day uh, or you have some time before, you know, New Year's and you're kicking around looking for something to watch, <laughs> you could do worse than this. It is on, by the way, it's on uh, all major like VOD rental platforms, including um, Kino Now, where you can rent it or buy it digitally. And of course on Kino Lorber Blu-ray, if you're physical media person and you should be a physical media person <laughs> <laughs> all right and well thank you again for joining us uh it's always a pleasure to have you on the show it's a christmas miracle you guys thank you <laughs> like, you didn't make me wait a whole year to come back <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for listening thank you